electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. It's your call. New COVID guidance from the CDC pivots to personal responsibility. Dr. Kavita Patel on the latest treatment options if you do get it. I think what we're saying here now is we're not trying to avoid it. We're just trying to make sure that we don't have the most negative effects from the illness. That's really what you're hearing. As the Twitter turns, Elon Musk's attempt to buy the social media platform. Is 54 bucks a fair price? 5420. 54.20. And the hints about strategy he may be slipping into tweets with Elvis lyrics. Will you love me tender today? Because it's just the two of us. I love you tender every day. All right. Plus, you want fries with that? The one thing that you can measure is the fry attachment rate. The number of orders at a fast food restaurant that includes give me fries, too. It's Monday, April 18th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand under by in three, two, one, two landers. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ this morning. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's off today. Just so I know, uh-huh. is it three hours of Musk? Is that what we're, is that, uh, what's I, that? I, 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 uh, what's your thought here? Over the weekend, I was like a cat. You know, first couple of times, the, the jump, but then it, you sort of get, I'm not, no. You're I'm just a nerd to the whole concept I am at, at this point. point. Okay. You know what I actually finally came up with? What's that? There's days I think I might... <laughs> not to Twitter ever again anyway. So it's like weird that it's, it's not that big a part, shouldn't be, of anyone's life. But it has become that. Has Especially it, it, for the media, for the meteorati, the sort of literati, meteorati, whatever you Who wants to as. be one of them, though? Well, <laughs> and here we are. And you, you can tell me whether the, the, the poison pill is, whether that's fair, whether shareholders should be upset, whether it holds, whether Musk is really serious whether he's looked at it and said, you know, I got $250 billion, but I certainly can't get my hands on that uh, any easy way. So 40-plus, he's like the only guy that could do it. And he could if he, wanted to, if he really wanted if to look he, what he could. So but why would he do that? Let's, let's talk about all, everything all right. that's happened over the weekend, and then we'll, we'll, try, we'll try to, uh, will you love what's me the t- phrase they say, unpack the will, story? Will you love me tender t- today because it's just the two of us? I love you tender every okay. day. I love all right. you tender every day. Okay. Uh, we're going to begin this morning with the latest drama in Elon Musk's battle to take over Twitter and what was a cryptic uh, weekend tweet where he wrote, quote, love me tender. That's what Musk tweeted Saturday afternoon. Of course, he included the musical note emoji. So maybe he was simply listening to that 1956 Elvis song. Tweet came after Twitter ended last week by adopting a limited duration shareholder rights plan or what's called a poison pill. It's a common way for companies to fend off potential hostile takeovers by diluting shareholder stake, the uh, stakes rather, the, uh, under the rights plan. If anyone acquired at least 15% of Twitter's outstanding common stock without board approval, other shareholders would be allowed to buy additional shares at a discount. Now, in a press release, Twitter said the rights plan will reduce the likelihood that any entity, person, or groups gains control of Twitter 
through open market accumulation without paying all shareholders an appropriate control premium or without providing the board sufficient time to make informed judgments and take actions that are in the best interest of shareholders. Now, on the subject of the Twitter board, another must tweet coming on Saturday, quote, wow, with Jack departing, the Twitter board collectively owns almost no shares, exclamation point. Objectively, their economic interests are simply not aligned with shareholders. Musk also replied with a single exclamation point to one Twitter user who pointed out that Twitter board member Bob Zoldak has uh, never tweeted before, at least so, so, so it appears. Maybe he has a burner account, I don't know. But here we are. What do we think? Uh, that reminded me a lot of the, of the great Gordon Gecko speech in, in uh, yep. Wall Street, Teldar paper. All these guys behind me, all, all these board members own less than a half a percent of the outstanding stock, whereas I now own. So they have no, their interests aren't aligned. They could care less what happens. And that was his big speech. And it, you know, everyone remembers greed is good, greed is great, and all that other stuff. But the point he was making uh, was that shareholder accountability or management accountability to shareholders should be paramount companies. And if you don't own any, then what, right. what do they care? So the question, I mean, I think there's some very basic questions. Is 54 bucks a fair price? Take Elon Musk out of it. We should right. actually remove him Fif from... 54.20. 54.20. Huh. Well, let's remove him from the equation, because you're right. right. What's happened over the past several days is that it has become this bizarre question uh, about politics and people talking about whether he's for free speech Town hall. or something else Public or forward. what this is. And that's partially because he has said so. I mean, one of the other interesting parts of this is he said this is not an economic bet for him. He has no economic interest in it, which also makes the other component part of this very interesting. If he were to tender or try to partner with, with folks, and there are some reports now that he might want to try to partner with Silver Lake, of course, there's a board member, uh, on the board of uh, on the board of Twitter, who runs Silver Lake, interestingly enough, who just voted for the shareholder rights plan. So, if if you were to try to partner with somebody else, how does that economic interest work? If he's not interested in economics, why should anyone else be? Well, why should anyone else be? But also, he's asking. Him. He believes and wants. I think he said at this TED talk last week that he wants current shareholders that are allowed to and to can, stay to to stay to effectively roll their shares into it. The, the intent is, is to uh, retain as many shareholders as is allowed by the law in a private company, which I think is around 2,000 or so. So we'll, it's, it's not like a, a, it's definitely not, not from the standpoint of let me figure out how to monopolize or maximize my ownership of Twitter, uh, but we'll try to bring along as many shareholders as, we, right. as we're allowed to. You um, don't necessarily want to pay out 40 or whatever it is billion dollars in cash. You'd, you'd like them to come, come with you in, in, in the Yeah, but it's, it's, I mean, I mean, I could technically afford it. Um, I, I heard that. Now, that's also a very interesting idea. If your goal is not to do this as a economic venture, but effectively as a not, by the way, maybe this is a not-for-profit venture. By the way, all of this is possible and maybe okay. It's just, I don't know. Well, I just wonder whether he finally says, look, I tried to do what's right for the world in terms of providing a, a free and open public forum for everyone to air. Right now, he's, he's not necessarily doing it for himself. He's, it's almost like he's doing it in a philanthropic way for the good of what he sees Twitter should be if it's not for economic Well, but then there are other people who will say but that it, if he gets rebuffed too much, he's finally going to say, all right, 
forget. Uh, right, but I do think there's fair questions to ask about how he would actually run it. Um, he said a lot of that. At the you saw a lot of the thing. That, that's the article. No. Here's I, what he would do. He, he outlined exactly what he would do. I understand that, do. but what I'm saying is you, we talk about free speech. And again, people have different versions of what free speech means. They, they do now. Th there, was, there was a young man who was tracking Elon Musk's airplane, for example, on Twitter right. for a long time. And he didn't like that. And he really hated that. Would he allow that? Maybe he wouldn't. Is that free speech? That's a, a legal and public piece of information. I just think it's very complicated. And the other component part of this is you have Twitter, which is a Delaware company, which is important because your fiduciary duty, even though people talk about lots of stakeholders, is in the end to the shareholders, right? I mean, this goes back to the whole stakeholder capitalism, shareholder capitalism situation. But are you supposed to take into consideration your employees? He effectively said he plans to decimate the place, right? If, you're, if you work there, he wants to remove 12 floors or whatever he was saying about that. So do you see what I'm saying? I, I think that if you're a board, there's lots of, I don't know if there are responsibilities, but there are lots of component parts to this. We talked before the show calmly, and I just made the point that my entire life I've always associated liberalism with free speech to the point of where it used to bother me. It, when, the far, when the William Kunstlers of the world would, would represent terrorists and say, well, they deserve a fair trial too, or when a horrible march would be happening somewhere, and right. the left would say they have the right to do that. Now the left seems to be the party of something that they're calling content moderation. And they, they, the amount of, of hair on fire over the weekend because of this was surprising to me. I want to just read one thing to you because okay. I am a classical liberal. I okay. am. Here, this is what... Is, you're saying you're a classical liberal. I'm a classical liberal. Let me read okay. what classical liberalism is. Okay. It's a political ideology in a branch of lib liberalism that advocates free market, yep. laissez-faire economics, civil liberties under the rule of law, with an emphasis on limited government, economic freedom, and political freedom. Okay. So just don't ever look at me and, and, and call me anything other than a classical liberal, because that's, that's what I am. How do you, and, and that goes right. along with free speech, which is very weird, the tribal nature of, of what right. we're all I seeing now. I think when did a, it happen? When did the, when well, did the left become a, the party of... I think there's of, a question about whether free speech can be used to manipulate speech. And I think that's part of, part of the conversation. The other thing that's happened, what's so interesting to me about this is you have Elon Musk is such a political enigma insofar as here's a guy who I would have thought up until you know a month ago given his views on climate change which he's very clear about obviously with the, with the exception of his his sort of temporary view of maybe releasing some some, some oil today just given given what's happening in the world but he spent his entire career of You've course that point working, I, no, I working on the, the climate that that's basically what all of this for him has always been about, unless you think he's just a complete opportunist. But, but that's, what, that's what he says that, that Tesla's about. By the way, get, he's using the Tesla money to finance getting off the planet because he's worried about climate change. I mean, it's not, it's not, but look, that's we, what he's, that's but his what story. you're talking about now with the planet, we're gonna, we will use all of our resources eventually. Or, I mean, we, that, that Malthusian argument has been used. It never happened, didn't happen with peak oil. We do need to transition away. Right. I don't know if he's, as CO2 phobic as, as he's, I, I mean, he, he said drill, baby, drill about a month ago. So I, I think if you, we do need to transition. And, and by the time we move to Mars, there's going to be a lot of reasons 
when there's you know three times as many people living here and we've depleted it's not that, just going to be I'm just, it's I'm not just, going to be that there's more hurricanes from the, re, the reason I say, look all I'm saying is here's a guy who definitively believes in climate change believes in the Paris Accord agreement uh, by the way believes in tax credits uh, believes in carbon taxes if possible right okay I mean all of these things are his view I'm just well now, now you're turning and now you're sort of implying you might be very cynical and, and espouse those views just because they go hand in hand with Tesla I, I have to say that I'm not I I desperately want to talk to him about this I have not had an opportunity to talk to him about this particular situation but and because because, it, it, because I think it's such a unique sort of microcosm of these issues he also somehow as he's mentioned Bitcoin bothers him that there's the energy usage but then again he said okay but I'm still not gonna eschew right. Bitcoin. Next on Squawk Pod, unpacking the CDC's newest guidance. It's your call. Dr. Kavita Patel on what we should do when all the rules are optional. We don't do this in any other area of illness, health, or disease, or burden. I don't tell a patient with high LDL cholesterol, hey, you go figure out what your 10-year cardiovascular risk is. That just seems like a very poor way for a country that has been told for two years, here's what you need to do, here's how you need to do it, her advice and some other health tips. Fried chicken satisfies the inner self. All that and a bag of fries right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. We're more than two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, and we might hope we're finally headed toward a more endemic phase, but we still have a long way to go. The WHO is researching the dozens of cases of Omicron variants popping up all around the globe. We've got BA4 and BA5 in Africa and parts of Europe. And even as case numbers wane in some places, there's still, as the World Health Organization's Dr. Mike Ryan says, no pattern to infection, which means we're still in this. When people say, oh, when it's endemic, everything will be fine. Well, that's not the case either. Tuberculosis is endemic. Malaria is endemic. They kill millions of people every year. So endemic, uh, please, everyone out there, don't believe that endemic equals it's over or endemic equals uh, it's, it's mild or endemic uh, equals uh, not a problem. That's not the case at all. 
In China, where millions of people remain under strict lockdown due to the government's zero COVID policies, three people have died. The first reported COVID deaths since Shanghai and other Chinese cities began quarantines a few weeks ago. The three who died were elderly and unvaccinated. As of now, authorities in China show no indication of loosening restrictions. Here at home, American authorities are singing a different tune. Here's Andrew. It's your call. That's the message from federal and state officials when it comes to choices on boosters, on masking and other pandemic health measures. This includes uh, from the CDC, whose guidelines say you can determine for yourself whether to isolate after testing positive. Joining us right now, Dr. Kavita Patel. She is a medical contributor for NBC News and MSNBC and a former Obama White House policy director. What do you think of this advice? We were just talking, by the way, during the commercial break about this very issue, whether, you know, if you have it, if you haven't tested, you go out. I was saying if you have a cold, I'm hoping the lesson of this whole experience is stay home. Think about all the billions of dollars that have been have been lost every single year from people who, who, you know, we used to play injured. We'd come in, we'd be sick and everybody would be, you know, think that that was actually a sign of being like some kind of hero. Yeah, Andrew, and, and how many, myself included, how many people do you know that have actually gotten a cold? I have actually been you know, nasal symptoms, thought I might have had COVID, had to test, but it's because really, even though I'm still wearing a mask in kind of indoor places, public spaces, everybody else has taken off their masks and I've got people sneezing around me, coughing around me. And you're right, the productivity has just completely flipped. We were getting more done when we were safer, however you define safe, and now it's on your own. So my, my biggest issue with the, you know, it's your call kind of a uh, theme that's out there. We don't do this in any other area of illness, health, or disease, or burden. I don't tell a patient with high LDL cholesterol, hey, you go figure out what your 10-year cardiovascular risk is, and you can decide. Of course, they will decide what their options are after I talk to them about what I think is best, but that just seems like a very poor way for a country that has been told for two years, here's what you need to do, here's how you need to do it, and now we do what? Tell people to go to covid.gov and cross our fingers and hope that they can navigate the site and get to treatment. I think that this is uh, unfortunately going to come back to bite us because we're not necessarily doing the types of things we should be doing, really getting boosters out there, really talking to people about Paxlovid and other treatments. So, doctor, here's the question. If, if you want to protect yourself in, in a world where people it's, it's a choose your own adventure situation at this point. Can an N95 right. mask, for example, do you feel on a one-way basis uh, protect you and protect you for hours on end? So if you're in an airplane, let's say, let's say you're sitting in an airplane or sitting on a bus next to somebody who, without a mask on who's just sh shedding COVID wildly and right. you've got your N95 right. mask on and you're sitting there for five hours, what do you think? You're protected? No. I mean, if you're so first of all, planes, we know that the circulation is much higher and refreshed much more than like a stale room. So that's actually a better scenario. But no, if you're sitting with an N95, first of all, nobody has a fitted N95. What I have to do to go through fitting to get that true N95 protection is very different than what I'm doing on weekends, throwing on a KN95 or even on an airplane Andrew, with an N95. So Simply put, no, if you have something that's that contagious right next to you in proximity, there is no way to avoid it. I think what we're saying here now is we're not trying to avoid it. We're just trying to make sure that we don't have the most negative effects from the illness. That's really what you're hearing. 
So no. And if you're on a bus or in a car, in an Uber or a Lyft or any other ride, you're even less protected unless you've got the windows open and, you know, all that kind of. But doctor, should everyone feel comfortable right now that if you can get the Pfizer drug or I believe there's now some monoclonals that that deal with BA2 directly, if you can get access to that early on, maybe maybe people shouldn't be worried at all. I mean, isn't that what they are? Isn't that what effectively the CDC is saying? That's exactly. No, that's exactly what they're saying. However, look at all the caveats to get to where you're at. I agree with you. In an ideal world, I would even have enough supply so that I could give it to patients prophylactically. We could give Paxlovid to the right people. Keep in mind, though, Paxlovid's not for everyone. Can't get it to everyone. Kids under 12 can't get it. Kids under five don't even have a vaccine yet, as you know. It's a longer conversation. We hope to have you back to continue it. Thank you. Bring on the fried chicken and French fries. I've been trying to be good lately, so this is not helpful. Demand for deep fried food is sizzling, and the pandemic has taken one of the America's oldest obsessions to a deeper level. Repairs of restaurants' deep fryers have now doubled due to overuse. Now nearly half of U.S. households now own their own air fryers. And the number of fried foods on restaurant menus in restaurants uh, rose 5% in the first three quarters of last year. The demand for fried chicken sandwiches sparking a race among food chains, including McDonald's, Shake Shack, and Jack in the Box, all introducing new chicken sandwiches. The deep fried surge isn't boosting business everywhere. Diet consulting company uh, WW International feeling the deep fried pain. That stock down 56% since the beginning of the pandemic. And online searches for diet programs this January were down 20% from a year ago. While the health risks of fried food are plentiful, nutritionists say There can be an upside. Consuming greasy morsels and and meals can reduce the effects of stress on the body. That's going to be like temporary, I would assume, because it's going to add more stress and even help uh, people produce more serotonin, which can lessen feelings of depression. This morning, uh, really? This morning, either BMO uh, didn't get the memo or they are seeing something in the fast food industry that uh, others didn't because they're giving them reason for concern. The analysts there downgrading Wendy's, citing challenges to its breakfast rollout and consumers becoming more price sensitive yeah, that's, that's unrelated. due to inflation. That is unrelated. There was an image that they just tried to show of me with a donut, a fried donut. with a fried, fried donut. donut, which are my favorites. This uh, there lady, it is. This lady says fried chicken. And I, it's sort of strange to look at myself eating, eating. that donut. You do that. This lady says fried chicken satisfies the inner self. And she makes her feel like a cat asleep in, a, in the sun. A cat. And, and the, the one thing that you can measure, Sorkin, yeah. is the fry attachment rate. And I don't know whether you know what that is. I but don't. The fry attachment rate is the number of orders at a fast food restaurant that includes gimme fries, too. And it's gone from 22% to 24%. So anybody that orders fast food is now 2% more are now ordering. Right. French fries. Uh, I'm just along with watching it. this this eating eating the donuts over here situation. Doesn't look just, good. Did I tell you about this place, Rise Donuts in Wilton, Connecticut? By the way, best donuts in the country. Just want to say we've it. Had great donuts here. No, no. I have now found it. What about like bacon donuts? I have found some. You know, when we when it, whenever annual donut well, day what, is, what, whatever the the that day is, we're gonna have to have them. What? Uh, wow, that's oh. weird. You look exactly the same. What? What? What is? What? What's so good about these? Like nothing you ever, it's like, I, I don't know. It's like heaven, just heaven, eating heaven. My body's transforming. I don't know what I see. What, you know what it's from? What's that? Running. 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 It's Running. Only, it's the only it's, thing that it's works. 70 to 80% is food. 
I know that too, that too, but, but running that's the, in my entire life, that's the only thing that's ever worked. Both my feet have to, my fat body has to be off the ground. In, in other words, uh, I, ellipticals yeah. don't work. Don't I work need wood I weight. found that if, if you just limit carbs after 6 p.m. at night. I do that. No, five miles, you got to run. When I say carbs, just, I mean uh, processed carbs. You processed noticed, carbs after 6 p.m., I think it's the win. Fat people, the win. fat people don't run, and people who run usually aren't fat. It's just, it's just a fact of life. That's Squawk Pod for this Monday. Thanks for starting your week with us. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And tell us what you think. We're on Twitter at Squawk CNBC or leave a rating or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.